0: We're continuing with our Take and Hold the High Ground series. Last week, we had a special midweek experience where we had our healing experience and we had testimonies come in of lives that were changed and impacted. And people were healed and delivered while they're watching at home. And so I know the word is going to bless you tonight. And so let's jump into 2 Corinthians Mm -hmm. chapter 10 second Corinthians chapter 10. And if you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and share Twitter, retweet YouTube, share the link, encourage other people to get into this message. It will bless them. So we'll continue with the series we've been doing on and off all year called take and hold the high ground. Go ahead and put that in a chat. If you're a place where you can put it in the chat, say take and hold the high ground, take and hold the high ground. Second Corinthians chapter 10, Look at verse three and five. It's been our core scriptures for the series. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. That word mighty means it has power to do something. It is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Of course, pulling down and casting down. We see in verse four and five means demolition. And a stronghold is a castle, a fortress. It's anything on which one relies. A first century philosopher described, used this word to describe an argument that someone would stick to. So it's used to describe an argument, a castle, a fortress, anything on which one relies. So the weapons we have from God are powerful. They have the ability to pull down, castles, fortresses, anything on which one relies. Paul's going give further definition to this. Casting down or demolishing imaginations. That word imagination means reasoning and thought. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is a high thing? It is an elevated place, an elevated structure, much like a castle and a fortress. Notice what he says next. And bringing in cap- into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ as we said just do a little bit of review for those of you who are newer who have been part of the series a strong code in your mind can be a mentality a philosophy or even an identity a strong code in your mind can be a mentality a philosophy or even an identity it may be an argument for a set course of actions it is a mental process or philosophy or on which the person relies, depends on, trusts in, and has confidence in. It is a mental process or philosophy on which the person relies, depends on, trusts in, and has confidence in. Knowing this, we can say there are godly strongholds and ungodly strongholds. When we examine this definition, we can say there are godly strongholds and ungodly strongholds. I love this quote from Pastor Mac Hammond. He said, your success in this life will depend on the strongholds you build for yourself and occupy. Your success in this life will depend on the strongholds you build for yourself and occupy, which makes you ask yourself the question, what strongholds have I built for myself and what strongholds am I occupying? That is a question you must answer. As we said, a stronghold in your mind can be a mentality, a philosophy, or even an identity. It may be an argument for a set course of actions. It is a mental process or philosophy in which the person relies, depends on, trusts in, and has confidence in. Now, this is something we covered earlier in the spring. We said when you come to Christ, there are aspects of your culture and cultural identity that must bow to the truth of God's word. There are some aspects of culture and cultural identity and expression that are wonderful. And there are some that are not. So what should we do? Should we throw it all out and pretend culture doesn't exist? No, keep the good, discard the bad. Old saying, eat the hay, spit the sticks. Let God shine the light in His of his love through you and your culture. We're in a day and age where it is widely said, live your truth. There's his truth, there's her truth, there's their truth, that's their truth over there. This is my truth. There's a whole lot of truths running around. But we have it begs us to ask the question. We don't just accept philosophy because it's prevalent. It begs us to ask the question, is your truth your stronghold? And if it's your stronghold, is it a godly stronghold or an ungodly stronghold? Because there's a lot of truths going around, but it doesn't mean it is real truth. It could be a deception, And so if you're deceived, you're living off of an ungodly stronghold, which you believe with all your heart is right. There are people who have no wisdom at all, but they believe they're the wisest person and they do foolish things every single day. And if you tell them what they're doing is wrong, they call you a hater. If you tell them what they're doing wrong, they have all these names for you and they're blowing up their lives, but they think they're the smartest person ever. They have a stronghold that they're occupying that they haven't yielded to the truth of God's word to allow that stronghold to be torn down and to build a new one in its place. So you have to ask yourself, is your truth your stronghold? And if it is, is it a godly stronghold? We need to make sure we take every disobedient thought captive Even if it's an acceptable truth in this generation, just because it's acceptable doesn't mean it's right. Just because billions subscribe to it doesn't mean it's right. It's like what we heard said before, let God be true and let every man be a liar. So if 8 billion people believe it's true, but God said it ain't true, let God be true and every man be a liar. Make sure you're building godly strongholds for yourself and you're occupying those strongholds. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. Let's look what it says here. Isaiah chapter 55 start with verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way. Way we said means a course of life. It is a mode of action. It is the way you live your life. Way is a course of life. It is a mode of action. It is the way you live your life. So let the wicked forsake his way. And when we think of the word wicked, we always think about bad, you know, bad people, evil people, but that's not exactly what that word means. Wicked, the best definition is twisted, which means there's a little bit of truth. There's a little bit of good. There's something right in there, but it's been twisted. And so there's a lot of truths out there, a lot of strong out there that there's a little bit of truth, but it's been twisted and it's ensnared so many people. Because there's a little bit of truth. Think about it this way: when they lay out poison for rodents, there's a little bit of something that will draw them, that would taste good to them, but it's the poison that will kill them. You have to make sure that just because it tastes sweet, because you got a little bit of truth that is not doused in poison. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. Thank God. And unto our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's wonderful, great news. But notice the emphasis, you got to turn. You have to realize what you're doing is wrong. You have to realize the way you think is wrong, and you acknowledge it, and you turn. And when you turn, there's mercy. When you turn, there's an abundant pardon. God goes on and says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways says the Lord. So my ways of living my courses of life my mode of action are not your courses of life your modes of action in the ways you live your life for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways my ways my courses of life my mode of action the way I live my life is higher than the way you live yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth that shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. As we shared a couple of weeks ago, if we're going to take and hold the high ground, we must do so in the way that we think and the way that we love. If we're going to take and hold the high ground, we must do so in the way that we think and the way that we love. We must make sure we walk in love, that we forgive everybody of everything, that we're lining our life up to the word of God. The ways of God are higher and produce higher results. The ways of God are higher and produce higher higher results. So if you want higher results, you have to live a higher way. You can't live a low way and get higher results on a consistent basis. You have to live a higher way if you consistently want higher results. You have to think higher if you want higher results. You got to do the things that bring forth higher results. Now go with me to Nehemiah chapter 6 to where we're heading tonight. Nehemiah chapter 6. And your last year, we took a lot of time in Nehemiah when we talk about restoration. And we learned a lot from this man of God. Now notice what it says in Nehemiah chapter six, starting with verse one. Now it came to pass when Zambala and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein. Though at this time I had not set up doors upon the gates that Sambala and Geshem sent unto me saying, come, let us meet together in some of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me, four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. So they kept going again. It was just one time. They kept going again and again and again. Hey, come down. Come talk to us. Hey, stop what you're doing. What are you doing up there? And they began to question his motive, send accusations, do a whole lot of things to keep Nehemiah from doing what God called him to do. And they said, hey, come down from there and talk to us. And Nehemiah's response was, I am doing a great work. I cannot calm down. The subtitle of tonight's message is, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. There's so many things going on that billions of Christians are falling for. Don't fall for it. Go ahead, put that in the chat. If you're in a place we put in the chat, go ahead, put the subtitle on the chat. Don't fall for it. So you must take and hold the high ground. Not just take it once and then leave. Take and hold the high ground. You know, like there's certain versions of king of the hill. You not, you don't win just because you take the hill. It's how long can you hold the hill? It's just like in baseball. If you're catching a ball in the mitt, you don't just catch it and drop it, then the person's not out. You got to catch it and hold on to it. You have to take and hold the high ground. Go ahead and put hold in the chat. You have to take and hold the high ground. Don't come down from the high place you have built in your mind. Some of you have been working so hard this year and last year to build good godly strongholds in the midst of everything that's going on. You've been focusing on good godly mental health and good godly mental practices and mental thinking patterns. Don't come down from the high place you've built in your mind. You are doing a great work. Not just Nehemiah, you who have committed yourself to building the high place of your mind who have committed yourself to living a highway. You are doing a great work and you cannot come down. Don't come down from the highway of living. Don't fall for it. Because just like Nehemiah's enemies kept sending again and again to convince him to come down, the enemy will send things to you again again and again and again and again and again and again and again to make you come down from that high place and that high way of living. He'll have things that look attractive, other truths, things to get your attention, but you cannot fall for it. Do not fall for it. Do not come down from the high place God has for you. There are some people who think that they're woke, but they're just as sleep as the people they're mad at. I'll say that again. There are some people who think they're woke, but they're just as sleep as the people they're mad at. They're thinking that they're enlightened, but they're in a low place, or they're in the sunken place, and they're asleep, just like the people they're mad at. If you allow situations and circumstances and other philosophies to pull you down from the place God has called you to be, you will get low results every single time. See, that's the strategy of the enemy, but you can't fall for it. Now, let me read you a couple of scriptures. First John chapter 2, verse 18. First John chapter two, verse 18 says, little children, it is the last time. As you have heard that the Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know it's the last time. You know, with everything that's going on last year and this year, there's so much talking about the end time. We do live in the end times. The Bible teaches us that. There's so much talk about eschatology, but we focus on the wrong thing so many times. Like we focus on the minors instead of the majors. Jesus even talked about that to his generation. Now there's so many people talking about the Antichrist and say, oh, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. No, it is not. No matter which way you look at the scriptures from an understanding point of view, the mark of the beast is not a vaccine. It is not. It is not. It is not. Let me say it again. It is not. So don't listen to people who, tell, who are telling you that it is. But we're focusing on things like, oh, you see this? Man, that's because the Antichrist is about to show up. Well, pause. The Bible does not tell us to prepare for the Antichrist. The Bible tells us to prepare for the return of the Lord. The Lord is our Messiah, not the Antichrist. So stop focusing on the Antichrist who will be the biggest loser in history and focus on your savior and what he's called you to do. Don't come down from the high place and look for an Antichrist. Look at your Christ and follow his leading, follow his guiding, and don't let the drama and the trauma of the times take you down from the high place God has called you to. Yes, there is an antichrist. Yes, there's a strategy. Yes, the enemy has a plan, but that is not supposed to be your focus. Not if you want to have victory. Yes, you know there's an enemy. Yes, you study your enemy, but you don't focus on your enemy. You focus on your God. 1 John 4, 3 says, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come to the flesh is not of God. And that is the spirit of Antichrist, where if you heard that it should come, and even now it's in the world. So one of the things you see here says, 1 John two eighteen. there are many Antichrists. Yes, there's the main one we think about when we read the book of Daniel and in other works prophesying about the end of the end times. And then we see here that there are spirits of Antichrist. And so there are many things that are preparing the way for the Antichrist to show up. And they operate by the same strategy that he will employ when he is in his position of authority and influence in the future. I want you to see this in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, because it's talking about him. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and it says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out. Look at that phrase. Put that phrase in the chat. Say, wear out, the saints of the Most High. And think to change the times and the laws, and they shall be given into his hands until the time and times and the dividing of time. Think about this. We use that phrase all the time. Man, they wore me out. Some of you parents say, man, my kids wore me out today. Come on. The job wore me out. What does that phrase mean? Right here in Daniel, it means to wear away, to wear out. It means to harass constantly. It's used in a mental sense, a mental sense of a mental affliction for the purpose of wearing you out, harassing you constantly to wear you out. The strategy of the enemy, the strategy of the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist is to wear you out. Out And once you're worn out, you come down from the high place. Once you're worn out, you come down from living the highway and you begin to live the low ways because you're tired and worn out. That is a strategy of the enemy. He may not be able to get you to outright sin and backslide but he'll wear you out and keep you from going forward. That is his strategy, but you can't fall for his strategy. You can't afford in these times to wear out, to be weary and well-doing. Don't let the enemy wear you out. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Say, don't let the enemy wear you out. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Say, don't let the enemy wear you out. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter seven, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. Don't let the enemy wear you out. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven. Notice what Paul says here. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Let's examine this. We talked about 2 Corinthians 12 this past Sunday. God gave Paul revelations and visions. And one of the ones he's talking about is a trip to heaven. God gave Paul revelation and visions. This phrase exalted by measure above measure, I like the way Reverend Rick Renner translated, translates it. He's a Greek scholar. He says this phrase speaks of a person who has been magnified. Increased and lifted up to a place of great prestige and influence. This phrase speaks of a person who has been magnified, increased, and lifted up to a place of great prestige and influence. In other words, this person has been made famous. And as a result of the revelation, the visions, and the work Paul was doing with Jesus, Satan sent a demon with the chief assignment of stopping Paul. Satan assigned a demon to the Apostle Paul to stop him, Like your number one job is to stop that dude. Now we know this from the book of Acts when in the same city Paul was preaching. Now Paul was so effective in his preaching in the ministry of Ephesus. Everybody in Ephesus and that surrounding area, which is modern day Turkey, heard the gospel at least once from the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And those two years he stayed there daily teaching in that school and that afternoon time. He was there every day. And so he was so effective. That when these people who didn't follow Jesus, these people who are trying to use dark arts and they're coming up with all these type of incantations, they went to drive out this demon spirit. And the demon spirit says, because they said to him, like, in the name, we adjure you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the possessed dude looked at him and said, Jesus, I know, I am very familiar with him. I, I remember, he probably had a flashback to when Jesus kicked kicked his butt when he threw off every principality, every power and spoiled all the powers of darkness. He said, I, I, I know him. And Paul, I know, that phrase I know means I have recently become acquainted with him. I am watching him. I know who he is. But then he looked at these people who had no right to use the name of Jesus. They didn't have any power because they weren't sons of God, children of God. So they had no right to use the name. So the demon cocked his head and looked at him and said, but who? Are you? See notice what the kingdom of doctors realized they said we know who Jesus, is, but now we know who this Paul is and we are watching him. The enemy sent a spirit to stop Paul because he was afraid of the impact Paul was having. When it says here in chapter 12, Buffett, it means to hit again and again and again and again. And again and again. Why would the enemy hit Paul again and again and again and again and again to wear him out, to stop him, to make him quit? That's what he wanted. We can see that the demon's tactics in 2 Corinthians 11, 23. Paul lists all the stuff that happened to him. Previous chapter, chapter 11, verse 23, says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, and labor is more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths and danger dying often. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've been in the deep, and journeys often, and perils of waters, and perils of robbers, and perils by my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness besides all of those things that are without that which comes upon me daily the care of all the churches notice what we see here this demon's tactics fall in line with what jesus revealed in mark four to be the only five tactics satan has affliction persecution cares of this world deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things he was hitting Paul again and again with affliction, persecution, and the cares or the anxieties of this world. This is the demon that arose a storm through Demetrius in Ephesus. You see that in the book of Acts as well. Well, how did Paul deal with this? Verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. When He went, he says he went before God three times about this. So the first time he went and prayed about it god didn't say anything second time didn't hear anything and on the third time look at how god responded and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for you that word grace has 21 different definitions in the word of god and this here you know you have to look at the passage to understand what is the definition of grace and this passage by the context is grace here is the power of god Grace here is a supernatural, miraculous power of God. So my grace, my supernatural, miraculous power is sufficient for you. Now, what does that phrase sufficient mean? Because we can say it means a whole bunch of things, but this word sufficient means strong enough. Come on, put it in the chat. Say strong enough. Go ahead, put it in that chat. Say God's grace for me is strong enough. Now, the definition goes on. It's strong enough to defend because you have thing with all the things Paul's been through, he should have been gone a long time ago. But God says, my grace is strong enough to defend you. That definition goes further. It's strong enough to ward it off. What is it? Not only is it strong enough to defend you, it's strong enough to fight back and get it to back down and get it to go back and so that you can win. It also presents the idea of raising a barrier. My grace is a wall for you. So when Paul heard this from God, because God went on and says, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because Paul's saying, I'm weak against this. Look at all these things. I'm tired. I'm getting worn down. All these things are happening. I'm weak. How do I handle all of these things? You may be talking about that. How am I going to handle all the things that are going on in my life? gentlemen? stuff is going on with you, stuff going on with your spouse, stuff going on with your kids, stuff going on with your parents, stuff going on at your job, stuff going on in your community, everything you see in the world. So there's so much stuff going on. How am I going to handle it? And God says the same thing to you. My grace, my super natural power, my miraculous power. It's strong enough. It's strong enough to defend you. It's strong enough to enable you to fight back and win. Remember, this is your winning season. This is your year of victory. Why? God has given you grace. And as you see more and more of the scripture, he gives more grace. When you position yourself, he'll keep giving you more and more and more grace. He'll give you more grace. So you're bound to every good work and you'll have more than enough. You're bound because of the grace of God. So notice what Paul did after he caught this revelation. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities or my weaknesses. The word weakness here describes a person who feels weak, distressed, unsettled, or needy. Come on, we've all might have felt a portion of that or all of that together over the last couple of years. And so Paul is looking at this, and it says, I will glory. That word glory means boast and rejoice. Is he boasting about himself? No, he's boasting about God. He's boasting about God's grace on his life. He's boasting about the power and the anointing of God. He's rejoicing in the power and the anointing, the grace of God that's been made available to him. So I will rejoice, I will glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ, that grace, that anointing may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. That word pleasure means to think well of. So I think well. What is he doing? He is maintaining the high place of his thoughts. He's taking and holding the high ground in his mind in the midst of the drama and the trauma of the times. He said, I will think well of. I'm keeping my thoughts right. I am going to think the right thing, regardless of what happens around me. I will think well of, I will think positive. I will think well in my weaknesses and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, when I feel weak, when I feel distressed, when I feel unsettled, when I feel needy. I am strong. Why? Because of willpower. No, the grace of God that's upon me strengthens me and enables me to fight back and win. So you must press through the resistance of the enemy. You must press through everything that's going on. You can't give in to his tactics. You can't let the enemy wear you out. You must press And refuse to give up. This is not the time to give up. This is not the time to quit. Your greatest hour is at hand. So don't back away. Don't stop doing the right thing. Don't stop living the highway. Don't come down from your high place. Because you are doing a great work. You must use your authority. We'll talk about that on Sunday. And bind the enemy. You must resist the enemy. Because whatever you don't resist, you give and grant permission for it to stay. Whatever you don't resist, you grant permission for it to stay. So you must resist. You must use your authority. You must bind the enemy. Let's go to Galatians chapter six and in here. Praise God. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if, one of the biggest words in the Bible, this two-letter word, if we faint not, you will weep. If you don't quit you will weep if you don't get tired and stop doing the right thing you will win if you don't quit you won't get the victory if you don't give up now don't get tired in doing the right thing press on to what God has for you keep fighting the good fight of faith. Do the natural things and the spiritual things for you to be strong in this time, for you to be healthy in this time, to have good mental health in this time, to have great balance in this time. Do these things. It is not the time to give up. It is not the time to stop. It is the time to press forward to all that God has for you. So don't let life trifling people or the tactics of the enemy Make you come down from your high place. Take and hold the high ground. You are doing a great work. Come on, say it out loud wherever you are. Say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. You can put that in the chat again, say, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the tactics of the enemy. Don't fall for the strategy. Don't fall into the hate of people. Don't fall into the outrage, this daily outrage that something be mad about every single day. Don't fall into the daily outrage. Don't fall for the attack of the enemy. Don't give in to the trauma and the trauma of the times. Don't fall for it. Don't get worn out. Don't let the enemy wear you out. This is your season of winning. This is still your year of unprecedented victory. Praise God. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for what you share with us tonight. We thank you for this encouragement. We thank you for this correction. Now help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word so we can be blessed in our doing. We thank you for this. We thank you for the victory. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for healing power. Father, I pray for your healing power to minister to all those who are watching, removing every sickness, disease, pain, infirmity, every mental affliction, everything that could harm them or hurt them. I pray for your power to flow through these screens and devices right now, minister healing, peace, and cures. I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard hearts, and minds. That wisdom will be released right now for those who are facing decisions that they need to figure out what to do quickly. I pray for wisdom to be released. And I thank you for it. Angels go forth and assist and do battle on behalf of these men and women of God, on behalf of their families, on behalf of their situations, causing a suddenly, a suddenly, a sudden victory in Jesus name. We thank you, Father. This is our reaping season. This is our winning season. This is our victory season. And we give you the glory in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Oh, praise God.